I use the phrase, I've written on it, I've rooted a bit, called Youth Ministry Island. And Youth Ministry Island, every kid wants to go to Youth Ministry Island. It's like Six Flags. You know, who doesn't want to go live on Youth Ministry Island? But Youth Ministry Island isn't sustainable in the long term of a kid's life. They have to adjust into the life of the church at some point. So we have to be building bridges and causeways and connectivity from Youth Ministry Island to the mainland. And that's where relational connections between the lead pastor and the youth workers can be really helpful to creating a a cultural environment where that's going to work the best. Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, which aims to advance gospel-centered youth ministry by equipping and empowering youth ministers and parents to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. The Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Conference Podcast, the Rooted Parent Podcast, Ask Alice, and Thanos to Theos. To learn more about Rooted, visit us at rootedministry.com. I'm your host, Davis Lacey. It's Friday afternoon, day two of Rooted's 2022 National Conference here in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I can speak, at least for myself, possibly for my guests, that sleep has been short and caffeine has been extensive. And uh, we hope that the quality of this interview does not reflect those realities. So we are asking the Lord's grace and wisdom to record this episode because it's a really important topic. Uh, We address here in this episode the fact that youth workers and the senior leaders who supervise them don't always see eye to eye. So hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, if that statement resonates with you, you're going to find help and encouragement to navigate these conflicts in a grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated way. And my guest is well-suited to help us do just that. Chris Polsky is the pastor of Trinity Church in Kirkwood in the St. Louis area. He has extensive experience as a vocational youth ministry leader in addition to being a senior pastor. He also teaches at Covenant Seminary and preps candidates for their ordination in the Presbyterian Church of America. Chris, welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. It's great to be with you, Davis, and thanks for everything that Rooted does. As a pastor, I'm really excited to hear and see the work that Rooted's doing, both with uh, youth workers and their parents, and that's a great thing. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and before we get into the, comp- you know, the topic of, of youth workers and, and senior pastors sometimes disagreeing on things, I'd love just to pick your brain a little bit, because in addition to serving as a senior pastor, you've served as a youth worker. Do you have any observations on how youth ministry has changed during you know, the gap of time between when you were serving as a youth pastor and today? Oh, my goodness. It's such a a huge area of exploration. But yeah, there have been massive changes, earth shattering and massive changes to the way that ministry gets done with uh, young people. I I can remember I did it in the age before the Internet. So technology is a super significant difference. And that's probably for both the good and the bad. Um, it's easier to communicate in a lot of ways with kids than it's ever been. There's more opportunities to engage them through technology, but technology is a, is, is a wash and distraction. And it's probably made it more difficult to get their attention in the ways that you want. We just passed out calendars to put on the refrigerator and kids didn't have a lot to do. So they came and it was a lot more, uh, a lot easier to connect with them. So that's a big one. Um, I think uh, the scandals that have hit the church over the last 10 years, and we've seen a lot of them more recently, 
have made parents far more reticent to release their children, kind of openly release them into youth ministry contexts or retreats. So you have to go through a lot more red tape. And I, and I think there's good to that, good accountabilities to that. But you have free reign in so many ways with kids in the past. And, you know, the vast majority of youth workers did that faithfully and in a godly manner, but there were um, obviously things that have caused that to break down. Sure. That's made it way more complicated for youth workers. I think along those lines, kids are, are way less innocent than they used to be. Um, they're seeing more. Uh, they're getting exposed to more before a time in life where they used to, which means their maturity levels aren't caught up with the exposure, which puts youth workers in a complicated situation because they've got to address issues that are very complicated and very mature with minds and brains that are not caught up to speed on that. And that calls for incredible wisdom. Um, I, I think one last thing I'd mention is just uh, parents are less driven by kind of the global gospel goals in the church, and they're more driven by their child's needs, wow. or um, e even down to the level of their sleep schedules, or their sports schedules, or their allergies. And it's like, well, if you're not doing X, Y, and Z the way that I needed to have done for my child, they're not going to participate. And again, I'm sensitive to that, but that just wasn't there in the past. And so youth, youth workers are kind of exposed to an array of challenges that really were not there in previous generations, at least not to the degree. One, one last little story about that. The first youth retreats I took our group on to Florida, I think one out of 75 kids that went on this trip were on um, some kind of behavioral medication. And 10 years later, the last trip I took, over 50% of the group was on behavioral medication. Wow. So that we had to bring a nurse with us. Sure. So that is a, a huge difference as well. Those are earth shattering. Uh, or, or, yeah, I don't remember the exact word that you used mm -hmm. to describe them, but they are uh, they're seismic shifts they are. in the landscape. And so uh, thanks for those insights. That's helpful. I think just for our youth workers who are listening to be able to say, oh, Chris is putting words to what I feel that this is hard. This is difficult. And anytime that we're ministering in difficult circumstances, uh, people are going to see things differently. You know, people are going to want the same thing, but possibly come at it from two different approaches or two different angles. And that's going to result in conflict and miscommunications and expectations not being met. That certainly can happen between senior pastors and youth workers in the church. So as a supervisor to youth workers in the church and as someone who at the session level and at the presbytery level works with um, senior pastors who are supervising youth workers, where do you feel like youth workers and senior leaders often find themselves in disagreement? Great question. Um, I think perennially, uh, youth workers, and this would be true of anybody working in a ministry role in a church, are very, very focused on their group. And a youth worker, a good youth worker, is incredibly invested in the lives of their students, the culture their students are in, capturing the attention of their students in ways that they can point them to Jesus. And they're on the ground doing those kind of things in very close and intimate settings. Senior leaders, uh, lead pastors, are often looking at things from a larger perspective, and they're trying to see where the different ministries fit in to the, the larger work of the church. They're not only seeing what's going on in the youth ministry, but they're hearing from parents and grandparents. They're wrestling with 
cultural things as they uh, as we react biblically to those things. So they're taking a larger view or a, a more of a, a thirty thousand foot view. And sometimes uh, you can find conflict that I think erupts out of that paradigm, where uh, a senior leader is saying, "Wait a minute, we have to think about these bigger questions." when we decide to arrange a trip or how we're going to talk about uh, things with the youth group. And the youth workers are like, well, yeah, but I'm on the ground with these kids and I want to engage them in a way that they I capture their attention and they'll come and listen. And sometimes they make decisions in that context that are a little more short-term oriented, whereas the pastor is concerned about things in a little bit of a longer-term uh, situation or the good of the whole church. So, for instance, just as an example of that, um, used to be back in the day that it was kind of part and parcel for the youth group I led where they would volunteer at VBS. Mm. That was a bigger church mission, right? Well, today I find that a lot of times the youth leaders are just like, well, we're, we're, we've got things scheduled for the youth that week and we're taking them to do X, Y, and Z. And as a senior leader, you're like, well, we need your help working with the children of the church and the youth leaders like, yeah, but this is a really important time for me to be with these uh, students. And so you kind of have that moment of conflict where either the senior leader has to acquiesce to the need that the youth leader is saying, or the youth leader has to say, yeah, I see how the student's participation helping with VBS is actually good for the whole church. So um, I, I haven't had conflicts that were personal so much with our youth leaders, but they were more of those programmatic or big picture type of conflicts that would come on, come into play. That makes sense. And, and, you mapping that out in terms of the different timeframes, different, uh, you know, locus of expectation, youth workers being super concerned for the teenagers in their care, someone like yourself being concerned for teenagers, but also for younger children, for senior adults, for everybody in the church. That makes a lot of sense. Um, put your senior pastor hat on and explain me how you would counsel youth workers to address areas of conflict or or just seeing things from different angles like this? What are helpful ways that a youth worker might bring things to you? What are unhelpful ways in which a youth worker might handle some sort of conflict like this? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think it really, like most things in ministry, a healthy ministry begins with relationships. Mm -hmm. And if a senior pastoral leader in a church is not meeting regularly and doesn't have a relationship with the youth leader, the, the primary youth leader, well, that's just calling for problems. Uh, a lot of times these two people, and this is a concern I have in general, it's one of the topics of my, my talk I'll do uh, here at the conference, is they don't have meetings until something happens Got to it. cause that yep. meeting. Yep. Because the older pastor is often like, well, I'm I'm in my 50s or 60s, and I don't know what's going on down there. As long as they're not hurting anybody, I'm fine with it. Um, and the, the younger youth leaders on the ground doing all the kind of crazy things that youth leaders have to do. So they just don't talk until the phone rings in the senior leader's office and says, hey, did you know that? And then they buzz downstairs and say, can you come up to my office? And they have a tense conversation. So I think the main thing that needs to happen is there has to be a reinvestment from both sides in having those regular direct um, meetings that are relational where you're praying together, you're brainstorming together, where the, the younger youth minister is seeking the uh, contextual wisdom of a senior leader and asking questions. And that, I think that's the main thing. I, I, I take this from marital counseling is if I can get a couple 
instead of asserting things about what's going wrong in their marriage, to be willing to to introduce the topic with a question, usually that keeps people from being on the defensive. And so what I'd love to see happen is both the senior leader and the youth leader learning to ask each other a question that's open-ended to draw them out. So um, in this case, analogy I gave you, if the phone rings in my office and say, did you know that you did this? Instead of me coming in and saying, Mrs. Smith said that you did this, you know, it's me saying, hey, I'm curious to understand why this this was scheduled that way. Help take me in the background and help me understand where that happened. That That hopefully opens the door for them to be freer. On the other hand, if you are meeting regularly, it's great if that youth leader says, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Good. What's your perspective on that? Do you see any issues? One funny story about this years ago, I was a, a youth pastor and I'm a big U2 fan. And U2 had a concert in St. Louis on a Sunday night. And I, you know, I don't miss U2 concerts, right? So I decided to take the day off Um you know, take a vacation day and go to the uh, U2 concert that night. Now, our church had a huge evening, Sunday evening service. Youth group was Sunday nights. The kids obviously looked up to me culturally. They're like, oh, he loves U2. We want to love U2. Well, I took the day off, but I kind of told people, you know, the, the the students, I'm going off to the U2 concert. So tons of them bought U2 tickets. <laughs> we ended up going, everybody together, had a great time. But the pastor uh, called me into his office the next day and said, you should talk to me about that because what happened is we just emptied out our Sunday night ministry. Yeah, I know you had somebody in charge, but nobody came and it, it undermined something that was important to the larger work of the church. If we'd have talked about it in advance, we might have been able to work out a way to make it so that you could go and enjoy the concert without causing conflict in the ministry and consternation among some families and students who had views on the Sabbath or whatever that, that caused problems. So um, I think it's just the communication and the relational connection, not just about ministry, but about life that uh, is absolutely essential to a well-functioning partnership between a pastor and a youth worker. That's really helpful. Meeting together regularly. And I see what you're saying not just meeting when there's an issue, but meeting in a regular rhythm and, and that being a forum in which things can be openly and freely discussed. Are there any other prophylactic practices, to use that word, that might be able to uh, either reduce or minimize the impact of potential conflict? I would say um, include the lead pastor in your annual planning meetings, at least for a part of the time, and, and actually invite him to share a little bit about what the church's annual goals are looking like or um, challenges that the church is trying to address in the year. Invite them in, the, the lead pastor in the church, to share with you and your team a little bit about the big picture things. Because, again, you're, you're on the ground. You're, you're, you're doing things. You're very focused on what you need to do. But understanding, hey, how can our ministry serve the bigger purposes of the church or things they're trying to connect to in this year? So... Um, that's part of it. And then inviting the pastor in to hear what you're doing and contribute a thought or two to that. Then it's your joint vision. I, I use the phrase, I've written on it for, for Rooted a bit, called Youth Ministry Island. And Youth Ministry Island, every kid wants to go to Youth Ministry Island. Okay. It's like Six Flags. You know, who doesn't want to go live on Youth Ministry Island? But Youth Ministry Island isn't sustainable. 
in the long term of a kid's life. They have to adjust into the life of the church at some point. So we have to be building bridges and causeways and connectivity from Youth Ministry Island to the mainland. Um, and, and that's where relational connections between the lead pastor and the youth workers and also uh, people of various generations in the church can be really helpful to creating a, a cultural environment where that's um, going to work the best. That's awesome. Uh, I used to intern at a church that was nicknamed Six Flags Over Jesus. <laughs> it's a little bit different than Youth Ministry Island, but... Um, Maybe some, maybe some more overlap than we'd like to admit. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Chris, I'm going to ask you one final question uh, just to kind of land the plane and tie a bow on this really helpful and timely conversation. But before I do that, let me give a brief pause so that we can hear from one of the sponsors on today's episode. Hi, I'm Alice Chernog, host of Ask Alice, another podcast from the Rooted Family of Podcasts. I am a licensed professional counselor who specializes in counseling adolescents and parents in areas related to eating disorders, body image, depression, stress, and anger management. Each month on the Ask Alice podcast, I discuss a hot topic issue related to the teenage experience. Everything from anxiety to dating to the college admissions process. The goal of these conversations is to help parents better understand the teens they know and love and to equip parents to address these topics in a grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated way. Give Ask Alice a listen wherever you listen to your podcasts or by visiting rootedministry.com. Now, back to our show from the Rooted family of podcasts. We're joined today by Chris Polsky. We're talking through the unfortunate uh, but very real reality that senior pastors and youth workers don't always see eye to eye on every single thing. I think in our day and age, we were even talking about COVID and weathering the storm of COVID, that it seems like the past couple of years, there are just more and more opportunity uh, for people to be in conflict with one another. Not even senior pastors and youth workers, but just good people who want good for the church that just see things differently in this day and age. So conflict happens. I'd love for you to land the plane on how the gospel offers good news and hope for people who experience conflict in the church. Well, uh, conflict is inevitable and that's because we're sinners, right? Every single one of us is a sinner. Every single one of us needs to be saved by grace. And if you start with that understanding, even in a, in a simple theological way, it doesn't have to be super complicated, but you start with that understanding, then you, then you recognize that what the gospel is actually doing is it's building a platform for managing conflict. Jesus managed the conflict on our behalf by paying the penalty for us. That's the most beautiful picture of conflict management is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we're saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. We then are called as ministers in the church to model that. And it's fascinating to me when you look at what Jesus said through his parables and the little things that Jesus communicated to his disciples and the little things that Paul said, kind of well-known, but a little bit off-the-cuff statements, so many of them are just calling us back to this very simple understanding of the fact that there's going to be conflict. So uh, what does Jesus say? He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's the golden rule. If, if, If there's conflict between a lead pastor and a youth worker, 
I would, I would urge lead pastors to remember, most of you probably worked with youth. You were that guy or that girl at some point, and some senior leader, when you did something stupid, swallowed uh, their pride and was gracious with you. Don't forget that and do that for them. Okay? It doesn't mean you, you ignore major problems, but have your disposition to it be that way. Um, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Uh, who are any of us? Who's a lead pastor? Who's a youth pastor? We are, we are under shepherds to the great shepherd of the sheep who loved us enough to forgive us of our sins. Paul says he was the worst of sinners, the, the chief of sinners. And yet the Lord forgave him. And he kept that forefront in his ministry. We have to do that, all of us. It goes for the lead pastor, it goes for the youth worker. When they get frustrated with that lead pastor who seems distant or judgmental, you know, recognize you're going to be that guy mm. in 20 years mm. sitting in that chair. Okay, It doesn't just go the other way. And you're going to have a moment with someone who's younger than you and, and they don't understand where you're coming from. Offer them grace. Um, Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Um, th- these are just uh, really beautiful, meaningful poetic things that connect with us on a, on a more than a theological level. They connect with us on a more visceral, experiential human level. Uh, and I think if we keep these things in the forefront of our mind as, as workers in the church, whether it's pastor and youth pastor or just elder and pastor or women's Bible study leader and, and Christian education director, when you have these moments of conflict, um, these are the things that Jesus calls us to. And, you know, people come into churches and, and they think, oh, this is going to be a conflict-free zone. Well, you have to say over and over again, this is not a conflict-free zone. This is a conflict-clear, uh, it's visible zone. Mm. And uh, we need to deal with that in a way that honors the Lord. Mm. So it, as a lead pastor, you set the tone for this. And you want that to kind of spread throughout the organization. We just can't be preachers of grace we have to be modelers of grace in the way we do ministry. In other words, we can't, we can't be legalistic in the way that we manage our ministries as long as we're preaching grace for salvation. And I think sometimes we forget that a little bit. There's got to be grace and understanding. And I think when we have that, we, we find a platform where uh, you can look at your failures and your struggles and we all learn from those and talk through those and grow up from them. That's what we're supposed to be doing together. And I think that builds the platform for the future. Yeah, I appreciate you ending on that tone. One of our five pillars here at Rooted is gospel centrality. And a lot of times we talk about gospel centrality in terms of our teaching, in terms of our curriculum, in terms of our content. And that is important. But for us, gospel centrality is so much more than what's articulated. It's also what's embodied in everyday situations like this. Thanks for giving us a roadmap for how to do conflict in a gospel-centered way. Thank you, Davis. It was a pleasure. Hey, brother, if people want to learn more about you and your ministry, where are some places that we can go to find out more? Uh, Our website, trinitychurchkirkwood.org. My wife as well, she writes for Rooted, talks a lot about uh, some of these ideas in her writing and her blogging, uh, katiepolsky.com. And uh, we're just delighted to be a part of the family and contribute where we can. We're thankful to have you on board. And listeners, we're really grateful to have you on board. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. 
If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit us at rootedministry.com. As always, we give a special thanks to High Street Hymns for providing the music for this podcast. And on behalf of all of us here at Rooted, this is Davis Lacey saying thank you for listening to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast.